And I just want to kind of give the title of this, Overcoming the World. And I think there's probably a lot more room, obviously, what I'm going to talk about today. And hopefully you guys um, can receive revelation about this. Um, it is important. I know that the Apostle John, the one that who loved the Lord so much, but he also knew that Jesus loved him, spoke more about the world than any of the other apostles. Probably put together, is my guess. So, <clears throat> we also know that talking about this present evil age and in this world system, the two are pretty close. Um, we get the word, Greek word aeon, which is for an age. Um, we are in this last age before Jesus returns, before he sets up his earthly kingdom on earth for a thousand years. I literally believe that. And when his foot touches down on the Mount of Olives, it'll be the beginning of his rule and reign on earth. It's not a metaphysical thing. It's a real thing that's going to happen. This age is going to end. And every true believer, and as you begin to continue to walk with the Lord, um, should rejoice in that. Because it is an evil age. In this world, and we saw that in the beginning in Genesis, that God created everything good. And it was wonderful. Until, of course, Adam, he rebelled against God. He and Eve were given dominion over this world in all its beauty and creation. They handed it over, and Satan, by default, received it. And Jesus, three times in the New Testament, said that Satan is the god of this world. I know a lot of people have struggles with, well, if God is good, why do we have such a horrible world where so many bad and evil things happen? Well, because presently, there's an evil God who's in charge of this world system. Now, the Lord is Lord over all. We see that in Job when Satan presented himself, along with all the other angels before God. God asked him the questions, like, where have you come from, Satan? Satan seemed kind of a smart-alecky response, walking to and fro over it. Kind of like a, a person walking to and fro in his garden. But he is. He rules over this world system. That system that came out of that rebellion. And he's been running it ever since. However, it is coming to an end as well. Thank God it is going to come to an end. Because we're going to receive a world... And they were going to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And all the, the pressures and the tensions that you're feeling right now, the stress, um, they're real. Because everything is going to get squeezed. You know, it says in Peter that through many trials and tribulations, we enter into his kingdom. We are being tried during this time. We cannot get around it. We cannot be like Demas either, though, who served so faithfully with Paul, but in the end, he said, Demas loved this present age, and he left him. Things just got too hard. And we can't be like the Hebrews as they were in the wilderness, and during that time, 
wanting to go back to Egypt. In one of the scriptures it said, it's like, yeah, we sat around by the river with these giant pots of meat, and that's all they did was just eat meat by the, by the Nile River. It's like, but they forgot completely about their sons being thrown into the Nile River and then being slaved for hundreds of years. We cannot be that way. And one of the ways we help get overcome this world system is to get a taste for the powers that are going to come and the ages that are going to come. So, the original meaning of the world was something of beauty and order. And obviously now we see a lot of chaos. And I don't like talking about the beginning when Adam and Eve fell, always just there's something in it that always grieves my heart reading about that fall. And the loss is real. You cannot deny it. The things that we have lost is real. But I know that in Jesus, it's like He is going to redeem all things. He's going to make all things new. And we have to continue to believe that. If you guys would turn to Second Peter. Second Peter 2. And I did not bring my glasses, so if I'm squinting, please help it not be too distracting. Smaller notebook too. Second Peter two. Thank you. Oh God, I better not. (laughs) Thank you though. Fuck, I was back at the beach underwater. <laughs> Second Peter 2. Chapter 2, verse 5. Start with verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but save Noah, one of, eight per, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who would afterward would live ungodly. So again, we see right here when it comes to the world... Um, we get the picture of Noah. Um, I think around age 600, he received a word from the Lord to begin building the ark. Oh, I can't remember. Noah's probably 400 and... Oh, Lord. I think it's 480 years old because it took 120 years until the flood came. Okay. My math is all messed up. 
So he received a word from the Lord that that world system, not just a planet, because afterwards the earth was still there, but that world system, that satanic system that existed during that time, was going to be completely obliterated. There was nothing that God could do for it. There was nothing that God could do to redeem it. It was under the judgment of God, and it was going to be wiped out. The world and the people during that time had 120 years, though, to repent. And we see afterwards that God did destroy that world under a flood. And we also have that picture as a type with Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Later on, I know Peter talks about that the first judgment was one of water, where the world was destroyed during Noah's flood. The second judgment will come where the world is going to reserve for the judgment of fire. God's got to cleanse it, everything that's not of him and get rid of it. We're still in Second Peter, if you turn to chapter 3. Chapter 3, starting with verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they are from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which now exist, are kept in store by the same board, reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of of ungodly men. So again, we see that this talks about this world system is now under the judgment of God. It is something that is very powerful, um, active. There is a thing called the spirit of this world. It contends continually with God's plans, tries to thwart people. A lot of seduction is involved in it. The grass is always greener in the world. But it's under the death sentence from God. It cannot continue on, and it won't. And I know a lot of people enjoy science fiction, as I do. But um, we're not going to be going on and on with, you know, Spaceships going into the the under end of the galaxy and spreading this nonsense wherever we go. It's going to end. If you guys turn to John twelve thirty one. John 12, verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. So we see here that not only is this age going to end and the world system 
is going to come to an end, but the God of this age has been judged as well. And how did all these things come about? It was by the cross. The cross brought complete deliverance for us. That also meant complete doom for this evil system. And for the God of this age, along with all his followers and all his fallen angels as well. So I know um, we hear things like worldly and, you know, playing cards is worldly or drinking a beer might be considered worldly or, you know, going to Dollywood might be something we consider worldly. They can be. But we've got to remember that John the Baptist, when he came into this world, he didn't come eating or drinking. He fasted and he abstained from alcohol. And the people during that time said, he's got a demon. There's something wrong with this guy. Jesus, he came eating and drinking. When Jesus died and when he rose again and he ascended to heaven, he could have ended it all right there. We are in this world for a reason. We are not of it anymore, though. We were at one time. We have a job to do. But we have to keep that in mind, just like in the days of Noah, when they were buying and selling, eating and drinking and giving in marriage. Can you guys tell me what is wrong with any of those things? Is there anything evil about those things that Jesus brought up? Of course not. But when all you can think about is today... And all you can think about is the temporal and the material and those things that are around you. And all your hopes and your desires and your dreams are consumed in this time right now. You are in grave danger. We have to break free from the love of this world. Because anyone who loves this world becomes an enemy of the Father. You can't have both. <clears throat> we turn to John sixteen eleven. I'll start with verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It's not an it. It's the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they did not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And you will see me no more in of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So thank God that we have the Holy Spirit. And I wonder what it would have been like. I don't know if you guys are watching some of the, the Chosen series that's going on. How incredible it would have been to walk with the Lord during that time. 
and to see his face and to behold him and to touch him. He says we got something better. As incredible as that sounds, that he has now made his home in us, the Holy Spirit. And I know some of you guys, you may not feel like it, but he is there. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you as an orphan. So now as the church, we have a mandate. Derek Prince always loved the scripture, Matthew 24, 14. I had shared a little bit of it this morning during prayer of going into the entire world, preaching the gospel of the kingdom to every nation, to every tongue. Our mandate has not changed. And as the church, we cannot be overcome. Since the, the gates of hell cannot overcome us. But in some ways it seems like a lot of the church has been overcome. And sometimes in our whole life it looks like we are getting overwhelmed. Remember in John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world. He didn't love this world system. He loves the people who are inside this system. He loves them. He sent His Son who laid His life down for these people. And like we said... This world system is gonna was completely crushed when Jesus died and he rose again at the cross. We also know that Satan, if he had known what was gonna happen, would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He never would have done that. Because there was his greatest defeat. That's where his head was crushed. <clears throat> so because of the cross, because what Jesus did at the cross, Satan was found, and he was found guilty. We who believe now, the one the Lord has called us, we are now righteous with His righteousness. And we are proclaimed completely innocent. I had this really vivid dream <laughs> During a vacation, and um, it was around three o'clock in the morning, 
And I had a dream about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you guys remember that story where Nebuchadnezzar built an image. And, of course, everyone in his kingdom and in his government all had to come down and worship it. And the dream was very intense to me. I, I woke up and I, it wasn't like one of those happy dreams. I felt like it was definitely a, a dream of, of a warning that the pressures are going to continue to increase. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to come about, but it can come suddenly. When you think about those three men, along with Daniel, um, they had just, Daniel just given the king that beautiful description of the dream that he had, but he also gave Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was as well. And these guys were all running the affairs of Babylon, the greatest empire during that time of the world. And in a blink of an eye, they went from being totally in the favor of that government and in Nebuchadnezzar's sight to becoming enemies in a blink of an eye. And you guys remember that they were given a second chance by Nebuchadnezzar himself as they came before him. And he says, listen, maybe you didn't hear me right, but when all these musical instruments begin to play and the music starts, I want you guys to fall down and worship this image that I created. And they said, O oh, king, like, we're not going to do that. God is able to save us. And even if he doesn't, like, we will not. So he fired it up seven times hotter than the one it was. And he said that the command was so urgent that the men who threw him in there into the fiery furnace died because of the heat. And of course, we know that they went into the furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth person walking along with him. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar was just completely flabbergasted. And he's like, one of them looks like the Son of Man, the Son of God. And they were walking in the furnace so I woke up from the dream, and it's like, Lord, just, what does all this mean? What do we do? And I felt he told me, stay close to me. Because we may lose our lives. Did that ever occur to you? That we may have loved ones and might have to lay their lives down. It's happening all around the world. It is a reality. He is there. We can be like them. We can be exactly like Stephen was as he was getting stoned to death, forgiving his enemies. As he became the first martyr. 
And I don't say these things to bring like a heaviness or to just doom and gloom. Because I'm usually a very positive person. I, I enjoy goodness. I want a long life. I want my kids to enjoy this life and to know the Lord. But also, there's something in my heart, too, that gives a warning not to get too comfortable in this world. We are citizens of a great country. I love the United States. My children are, I think, 13th generation Americans. We've been here since the get-go. Before North and South, it's like all they were were designations on a map. They were just directions. I love this country. But I also know, just as Abraham knew, it's like I am a sojourner here. In some ways, it's like I don't belong. Sometimes I feel like I still belong. I'll admit that to you. It's like I know that as I get older and as I walk more with the Lord and I walk with you guys, that it's like our citizenship is in heaven. So, we do have to handle the things of this world. We still have to get up and go to work. We still have to go to school. We still have to touch the things of this world. But we have to remember that we are of a different world. We just are. Love not this world, but definitely begin to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. Love Him. Begin to taste the powers of the age that are coming. He's whetting our appetite. Because the things of this world, like that old hymn, will go strangely dim. They just will. Seek His face. While it's still light out, we've got work. I don't, that's a scary verse right there where it says, Jesus said, it's like, there's going to come a time where it's dark where no man can work. I don't even know what that means. I don't like it though. But right now, today, while it's still called today, if you hear His voice, Obey it. He's given us everything that we need. And yes, we all stumble in many ways. Every single one of us. God is working on our character too. He said the righteous man falls. How many times? Seven times. But he gets up. He's looking for that in us. That perseverance. And how do you persevere? By persevering. You have to keep going. Don't give up. By no means, don't look within. There is nothing there. Look up.
stand up and rejoice. He's doing that inside of each one of you. If he's done it in me and continuing to do it in me, he can certainly do it in you. Through everything that we walk through in this life, he's doing that to form the image of his son inside of you. Whether you're raising children or grandkids, whether you're taking care of your beautiful parents who have gotten older, do it all to the glory of God. So, I want to finish up with this last verse in 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians starting chapter two. Two verse six. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they have known this, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I love this, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man those things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit Searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. We, now we have received not the spirit of this world but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So as we continue on this foundation walk in Hebrews, and then later on hearing the voice of the Lord, and then contending with the things of this age and of this world, every single one of you as a believer has the Holy Spirit inside of you. You were born again. And part of the maturing process is that you would know the things that are freely given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it's through His cross. So know what is the hope of your calling. So you begin to operate in those gifts. It's important. It was important to Him. So what? So we can build one another up in our most holy faith. That's one of the other things, too. I'm going to wrap this up. You can really tell the difference between the Holy Spirit and the spirit of this age. That the spirit of this age is always wanting you to work for it. No such thing as a free lunch, they would say. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get moving. Not in our faith. We have freely been given all things. All things. And He's changing the way that we think by the renewing of our mind through His Holy Spirit, through getting into His Word. It's changing the way we literally think. And our spirits inside of us say yes and amen. Put aside the trinkets. Go after the real treasures that are there for yours, for the taking. Ask, seek, knock. Don't give up. Amen? All right. Well, Father, we just thank you for this time together. And Lord, we just, we bless you. And we pray that... Lord, we wouldn't just understand in our head these things that we've heard today and the lessons that you've taught us. But Lord, it would get deep inside of our spirit. Lord, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we might know, that we might know you, Lord. Lord, bring revelation. Lord, we just thank you. That you are coming back. But Lord, I pray that we, Lord, as we continue to grow and to seek your face. Lord, as we continue to be your disciples, Lord. That we would grow closer to you. Father, I just... We thank you so much for what your Son has done for us. Lord, we will forever be worshiping and thanking you for what Jesus did for us. How he stepped off his throne to obey the will of you, Father. Give us the heart of your Son. Yet we would lay our lives down too, to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.